Welcome to the Media Mavens podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative, and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports, and entertainment with our host and CEO of well-known PR firm, Axis Entertainment, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Axis Entertainment and your host for Media Mavens podcast. I'm here with my lovely co-host, Marjorie DeHay at NTech Law and film producer, and my co-host, and she's funny. Hi, Marjorie. Hey, Sarah. Great to be here. I feel like I got so serious in the last podcast. Now I'm just like, whatever comes <laughs> I'm sorry, up. Okay, my skirt is going crazy. Okay, so we have Marjorie DeHay, and we have Siri Siri DeHay, Marjorie's <laughs> virtual assistant on our podcast, along with um, Chris Wagner, founder and CEO of White Level Productions, and TV TV. Producer, I called you a film producer earlier, but then I think we just got funny because it's two o'clock. Happy hour somewhere in the world. But um, welcome <laughs> to the show, Chris. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to meet you guys. You did say don't filter it, so I'm going to keep all the bloopers and bleeps in. Perfect. But okay, I'm just going to cut to the chase here. We don't That's need good. to waste our time. Let's go directly to Fenty. We thought, it. Marjorie and I thought, we were going to have little pretty boxes of Fenty here at our doorsteps for the podcast, but we're not going to hold that against you. It's coming this afternoon. Okay. I'm assuming there'll be a FedEx and a doorbell pretty soon. Yeah, um, they're behind. But let's talk like Savage X Fenty. Like Rihanna is seriously savage. Like she is the bomb. Let's talk about this because I feel the Fenty just became so huge and she blew that up because she's Rihanna and the music as an artist. Or do you think she just, and I don't just asking all due respect, is she very business savvy like some of the other artists where she knew the business behind creating Fenty? She has a makeup line, she has her clothes. I mean, is, is she really that savvy or was it just because she already had the following as an artist? This was an easy transition in beauty and um, fashion. No, I, she's an absolute boss. Like she is, you hear about these celebrities who do businesses. I can't speak to them, but she is involved in every aspect of it. So I work on the TV show with her, the TV special, excuse me. And like I was saying, literally touches everything. And she came up with the brand and the diversity and inclusiveness. Like it's just, she's, she's amazing. She's, she's a baller. Nice. What did you do that you produced Fenty show? Yeah. For the last three. Okay. What was that like? You know, back to Rihanna, like it is, she pushes everyone to make it a bigger and better show every year. And obviously she touches every aspect of it. So it started off, you know, we did it at the Barclays Center and it was epic. And then she wanted to go bigger during COVID. So we took it to the LA Convention Center and did like six different scenes, you know, showing the lingerie is obviously the focal point, but it's in such an organic way that you can't tell it is there because it's, it's on the dancers and the models and singers. And so last year, but you streamed it, right? Because of COVID when you guys shot it, obviously masked up and everything you guys streamed it. It was this, and actually I know was, I caught it on Amazon. I didn't see it on major networks. This is COVID. Did you film and produce this for streaming during COVID knowing that's where we're going? Okay. Yeah. So it's been on Amazon Prime every time. And last year, she figured out a way to make it even bigger. And we took over the Bonaventure Hotel downtown Los Angeles. And you know, like any show where you tell the hotel or location, you're going to take over 30% of the hotel. We took over probably 65, 70% of it. It was a working hotel. So like guests were checking in and out. We shot overnight for three nights and then rehearsed overnight for three nights. So it was... Absolutely. It was a massive production. And, you know, of course she figured out a way to, to push us to, to make it bigger and better for. Wow. And three nights of rehearsal for three days of filming seems very, very short. So what's the actual, so people who haven't done live production. Wait, wait, Marjorie, you gave me a number, uh, like one of our guests, the number of hours. you. That was for film. It's like 12 hours of, you know, production time for five minutes of film. But when you're in live production, you've got you've got this going on. It's almost like year round. It seems like you're you end it and you're like planning for the next one. It's just like a yeah. nonstop cycle. Tell us about the cycle of, of creating this bigger and better each year. Well, to your point, Marjorie, it's once it finishes up, 
and usually around September, October, December, and January, we're talking about the next one. Yeah. And so the show itself, the special itself is 50 minutes, 5-0. And so to shoot three days to get 50 minutes is it's a lot of content. We probably shoot about 36 hours to get 50 minutes. And again, the logistic challenges that happened with the hotel shooting outside in LA, shutting down streets, not being able to shoot the hotel and having to work around everything that you see. But that had it been fairly easy during COVID because nobody was allowed out. Last year, we did it in September. Everything was opened up. So everything was just starting to open up again. We still had all the COVID protocols in place we've had for TV since COVID begun. Like there was events happening at the hotel that we had to work around. And we have, you know, 80 dancers, 80 models, six huge talent in their teams. And then we roll with about 700 people a day, including talent. So it's just a, it's a massive footprint. That's but, insane. And you've done it for the past three years, right? Mm-hmm. In a row. Are you doing this? Yeah. First? It's definitely been discussed. Is it going to be live audience? I mean, now that we're off COVID or out of I don't know. pandemic? I don't know specifically for that. A lot of shows are, some are going back to live audiences. Some are still keeping virtual audiences. So it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, mean, I get Amazon. I get those streaming and it made sense during COVID. Was that a contractual uh, agreement or as it was it only during COVID? So now you guys can get back into prime time again. No, Amazon's always been the buyer. Got it. Because they also, I don't know how it correlates or if it correlates to the show, but they also sell Fenty on Amazon.com. Yeah, no, I love some of I mean, I, her makeup line, just some really great stuff she has. She has a really good, like, highlighter, shimmer, and blush. Not that you care, Chris. But no, I love has, it. She has this silver Fenty compact of Sephora, <laughs> shimmer, highlighter, and blush that you could use as an eye. Okay, it's just going to hit a plug. It is Fenty, Marjorie. <laughs> but yeah, I just, she she's amazing. She uh, I is. just I think she's a bomb. And she's having, a, or she just had her baby. So uh, yeah, no, I yeah. think it's, I mean, amazing. I love when these artists, models come in and you just kind of have that stigma of, oh, you're just, you know, you're a model, you're hot, you're singing, it's all labels, makeup, sleeping around, da, 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 da. But then all of a sudden they make a pivot, they make a move in business. And it just shows like, like you know, they're, they're in boss mode. Like I look at Cindy Crawford, like Christy Brinkley, besides being suddenly gorgeous still at their age, right. at grandmas, they are bosses and they know how to run a company, Jessica Alba. And I love, I was going to say Jessica Simpson, but I do like Jessica Simpson. She's killing it too. It's yeah. like $1.9 yeah. $1. billion. Dollars I mean, like, yeah, her shoes. But I look at them. Killed it. <laughs> you, yeah. you look at these facades of what they're like, and you, people just read all the bullshit, 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 crappy news. and. Esquire or whatever the trash rags are. But when you really spill all that bullshit away, you look at these women. Oh my God, they literally know how to run a business based on, I'm going to preface this for my next question so I don't get slant, you know, destroyed on podcasts. They're smart. They're intuitive. They have a business sense of, they know how to drive revenues, how to leverage technology. They're doing stuff to turn out quality products because they are business smart. Not Sex video smart. I'm sorry. I'm going to pick on the Kardashians. We're going down this road. You said a chat about stuff. <laughs> I don't feel like the Kardashians are not. They're my least favorite. I don't. Okay. I'm going to say it, whatever. It's my podcast. I don't feel they're the smartest, brightest tools in the shed. I think they are doing business and making billions because their moms, I'm going to quote, can bring them out on day to do stuff, creating the story, the narrative. I, I don't need to filter that. I, everybody knows I've talked to their PR people once, like really? five six years ago. And I, there was no way in hell I'd entertain that conversation. So much drama. It's not based on common sense and being smart. Look at Christy Brinkley. Martha Stewart. No, Martha Stewart. Well, we can say Martha Stewart. But the Kardashians, there's the, who they are. And then there's also characters you need to play for television. And because right. you do reality television, Chris, you probably like get this a lot where people are like, this is who you are in your real life. And that may not be interesting. This is how you have to amp it up like 20 times to make television. So I think, you know, some of it is like create the drama. Like okay, you could but, 24 but hours of tape. Is reality. 10 minutes of drama. But Marjorie, yeah. perception's reality too. So if I look at some of these high powered business people that like, like Jessica Alba, I know honest, all the baby stuff. And we look at some of these people, they are, I get what you're saying. I do get the whole reality show stuff, but I also feel like, can you take a reality person? Okay. Let's, 
rewind on my comment. I'm not a fan. I do love Chloe. Chloe is my all time favorite. I think really? she's the bomb. Yes, I love Chloe. Well, you don't? I love Chloe. Right. Well, I don't know any of them and I don't watch it. I but think but, but okay, Chloe owns her. Okay, Chloe and Kendall. I like them the most because they are just so anti reality. Let me just be and create my own atmosphere without the family name. But let's take all that aside. I do love them both. But can you look at a reality show and look at, like Marjorie said, the drama and what you need to be, right, to sell numbers? And can you take that same persona off the screen and still have? assume or think they have the same business acumen respect. Like if you put the next with Cindy Crawford or uh, Martha Stewart or somebody who's truly like innovating and creating their empire because they're business smart. I've talked to a friend who does a lot of startups with celebrities and he said it doesn't work. And I think we've seen some failures in like the alcohol lines where like, if unless the celebrity is going to actually work their ass off 24 7, 365, like it's not going to be a success. Casa Amigo, George Clooney and Randy Gerber. Yeah, but Randy Gerber owned hotels and properties and he had all that supply chain. And then, you know, George Clooney got out, like, or Aviation Gin, Ryan Reynolds just like promotes, promotes, promotes. And if he didn't, like, people won't really be aware of the brand. It has to be very active. Well, Jessica Simpson wears her clothes, her designs. I know. Well, Martha Stewart has really good cupcakes and baking stuff, whatever. Cindy Crawford, um, Chrissy Bre- Yeah, they do. And um, okay, so this is maybe why I do like Chloe Kardashian. So I gotta retract that. Chloe's my exception to the Kardashian clan because I know she has that amazing woman, Emma something on Shark Tank, who is one of her top persons at Good America Clothing, because Chloe always booked clothes to fit her frame, being a bigger, you know, taller girl. So yeah, and I think that just came from the heart and very authentic. She wanted to make a difference, but I do think it's hard. Reality shows hard. I think it's like anything. Can you stand on your own with the respect after you just had to, whether you're paid or not do all this drama on TV after so much time has got to dig away at the business acumen and respect you need on your Mm -hmm. own. Right. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think, look, I think Casa Amigos was started before like all these celebrities got involved in businesses, specifically alcohol. I think we're seeing a lot of celebrities very smartly use reality television as a marketing platform. I I really believe that's how the Kardashians established themselves, obviously, as well as became these entrepreneurs. I don't know. Okay, so let's let's question that. You've got this great background that has moved into reality TV. How do you, as a producer, create that tension, create that drama, really like get those eyeballs? Or do you have a couple tricks of the trade? Wait, can we make Marjorie's question? Because I want to talk about the masked singer. That's not drama. That's just what Marjorie's saying. How are you making people with masks? That's drama. Well, okay. You get talent that's like Rudy Giuliani and that's like all over the news, you know. Crazy, right? I don't think you were on that season. I don't think that was, was that, that wasn't your season. No, that wasn't. God, I wish. <laughs> I mean, look, Craig Plessis is the mastermind who, who brought that to Fox and just continues to, to grow it creatively. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys know Craig, but probably one of the most intelligent guys in the game. And finds with Dina Katz, who finds all the people for, for the behind the masks. She's epic at what she does. So, I mean, the two of them are just a force. See, I don't see that as being drama. Reality. I think it's like you're finding people well known. You probably can't sing, but it doesn't matter because you got a mask on. So nobody knows how much you suck at singing. Right. And I think it's such good co-viewing, right? Which is what all networks want. Like you can watch something like that with my grandma or my seven-year-old. And everybody loves it and plays the guessing game. And we all guess different people. I think it's just so, I I think it's not working on the show anymore, but just still such a fan. How many years did you work on The Masked Singer? Just one, just did season three. (laughs) Okay, of all of your shows, there's a few shows you've done that we need to talk about. I know Marjorie has them at her fingertips and I don't. What was your favorite one to date that you love doing? Fenty is one of the ones that... It's like, it's one of the few I tell my friends to watch who, and they'll actually watch it because it is just so cool. But my favorite right now is Barmageddon. 
What is Barmageddon? I want to hear all about what this. Is, I wait, saw that is, just by the title. I have all. What is Barmageddon? Is it like what I think it is? Probably not. In a bar? Like, it, it is was, in a bar. So yeah, it's like what I went to college. An Irish bar? No, a country bar. Okay, Marjorie, close. <laughs> in Nashville. So my buddy Lee Metzger came up with this concept with Blake Sheldon and Carson Daly and brought White Label into it. And what it is, we did eight episodes for USA and NBC. And it's celebrities competing against each other in life-size bar games. So think beer pong with a ping pong paddle that's six feet long. Karaoke singing when celebrities have to sing each other's songs, which was super fun. (laughs) Cornhole, but we're using a t-shirt gun to shoot like a t-shirt gun dressed up as a corn on the cob shooting corn kernels into life-size holes. Oh my God. It was, it's even it was better so than I thought. Chris, that's it's, even better. It's so good. It's so <laughs> much fun. Like how there's not a bar with these games already makes no sense to me, but like Blake and Carson were every show, Blake's in every show singing. Like it was, and we did it at Blake's bar, Old Red in Nashville. I love Nashville. Oh, great town. And so like the audience, as you can imagine, like loving Blake, had a lot of country stars on just went crazy, went through the roof. Like we booked X amount and X plus a hundred came. That's so it's just like oversized bar drinking games, but because you have Blake and Carlton, you guys got a good crew there, but you guys took it and like oomphed it up tens. Like it's not just like at a bar playing pool or shooting darts. You guys really went over the top with that. Yeah. Like did ax throwing, not real axes, but did ax throwing with like drunk goggles on. Have you, have you guys ever played with drunk goggles? <laughs> no, can't say have to either. They are amazing. You can do it by like level of drunkenness, like 0.3 to 1.3. Oh and it's just all blurry and you can't see straight. It's, it's so much. It's like another, just like good fun show. Were like you laughing? Were you like laughing so hard? You always had to do retake over retake. You guys just couldn't get it together to shoot anything. I'd Everyone be cracking was. up. Everyone was like, that's one of the shows. Like it's just so organic. Like the celebrities had so much fun. Everybody had so much fun. It was hosted by Nikki Bella. You guys know her, the WWS. Yep. She's great. It was just like, it's one of those shows that had good people, good fun, like, and all of it organic. Like it, it's going to come through on camera. It's like, it's like, Saturday Night Live in a bar. Everybody, you could tell when there's the celebrities, they are laughing so right. hard. And they don't they don't filter and edit Lauren Michaels. They're just showing them cracking up and screwing up. It's just it's so funny. Right. It's exactly the same. That's such a good comparison. So oh. when does it air and when's the watch party? Right. You guys are invited. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, so wait, this is new. Wait, hold on. This hasn't come out yet. No, we just finished shooting it about a month ago. Okay. Got it. Okay, keep going. Watch party invitations. Yeah, the what? And has FedEx stopped by your house yet? I can't. No, I'm still no? waiting. Huh. See, I don't know. Okay, any are second. We gonna get, are we going to get big, huge paddles? So if somebody makes this movie, just whack them on the head and be like, that wasn't my fault. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send that over too. I don't think we have an air date yet. Like I said, we just finished shooting at the end of April. But it's a series though, right? Series eight episodes. Yeah. One hour shows. I think it's going to premiere on NBC and then finish up on, on USA. Oh, so did you guys get picked up for a second season? Not yet, but that would be, you guys should push that to NBC, right? Uh, yes. I am thrown out the universe. Marjorie and I are both thrown out there. This will get picked up to a second season. I love it. I've been in out there like five seasons, six seasons. It's just such a fun show. I think you will because during COVID, we didn't really see anything funny, just reruns. And like, I used to love, okay, well, you used to make me laugh, especially if I can stupid binging at like on a Sunday or those late at night while I was working. I used to love the end of all one, the big red balls. Yeah. They do all the stupid stuff. And I used to laugh, like, like, I mean, it's not funny when you like jump on a bigger ball and you boom and smack your face and fall backwards and bounce off something into the water. Like what the hell was, I mean, it is right funny. Back. Wipe out. Wipe out. Okay. There's not a lot. There's not a lot of funny stuff like that. So I love that this is coming out. I predict you are going to get picked up way quicker than you think for another season. If not a five, 10 season, I do. I think you'll get picked up. We need funny. We need that. I think authentic too. And I think Blake Shelton has that charisma and charm that you can't help but think when you meet if you were to meet him in real life that he'd be very genuine and authentic and that comes across. it has to be authentic how do you 
How do you hit the over the head with the beer pong or beer goggles or trip and fall if it's not authentic? You can't really fake this. It's not like somebody's saying, hey, be more dramatic. Be, oh, my God. Or just yell at somebody. You're going to trip and fall like an idiot in a bar. You're going to trip and fall like an idiot. It is just funny in general. He's the Let's best. He is like one of those celebrities you you want to be what their persona is. And I, he's He's that that much more. Okay, so, so you kind. know, you know, on um, the Voice, how him and Adam Levine had their little back and forth for so long, and they got really brutal. But I love that authentically, the two of them are who they are on TV, off TV, on stage, off stage, and they are such good friends in real life because they're just they're those people you know are going to be the exact same person whether it's camera rolling or not. Yeah. I can't say enough good things about him and Carson for that matter. Like they're just, and Nikki was great. Like, and the celebrities that came again, it's just so authentic, so much fun. It was so, it was such a great show. Did you participate in any of the activities or were you just laughing too much behind the camera? No. And we had this one, uh, oh gosh, I forgot the proper name of it, but you put people in a human Zorb and then push oh, a human down. what? A, a Zorb. Is it's that a, like a hamster wheel? Like Except the a life-size hamster. Like a life-size, yeah, I've oh, seen those. the big those. plastic balls. That you're crazy. And you put a, someone in there and roll it down and hit 10 foot tall bowling pins. Like it was just <laughs> so ridiculous. Like it would, but just so fun. So we did that. We played the ping pong one, did beer pong, like a giant beer pong with like a mechanical Blake arm that was like 20 feet long. Funny. It was such a great time. Is yeah. that how many people actually go to Nashville? You said this is filmed in a bar. Does this bar actually have some of these games that people can play? No. And that's what everybody, everybody asks is like, how come there's not a bar that exists like this? But it's Blake's bar that he's, uh, he's part of. I'm sure he's packing the fans in his bar. after. Yeah. yeah. Once this airs, it's kind of like, who is it? Johnny Knoxville and Jackass. Mm -hmm. They just do the stupidest stuff. I mean, some it's a little bit dangerous, but it's so stupid. It's funny. And look how many times they've been picked up over and over. The new one. Did you? I just watched the yeah. new one nights ago. I watch it yet. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so ridiculous. So, like, let's step back. What What's your development process? How did this show come about? How did you pitch it? Kind of walk people through Wait, the process. Which show? People haven't done it. Farmageddon, for it. Like, who came up with the concept? How was it developed? How How long was the process? Just so people understand, like, this is not like, hey, you know, in six months we're going to air. It's like, it's a process now. And so I think it's great for people to kind of understand, like, what you went through to create this great show. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking now, it feels like from pitch to, like, getting on air is like an 18-month process now. And this one, obviously faster, quicker due to, to the names involved, the relationships they have with the NBC family. But it was still, we started developing it. And the idea came from Lee, Blake and Carson. And then Lee brought me in and we started developing it a year before we shot it. So like even with big talent names who have relationships with the network, it still is, it's still such a process and it feels much longer overall than it had been, you know, 10 years ago. But yeah, 18 months is like a good general rule from pitch to hopefully shooting the the first episode of the series. But then you have to get it to showrunners once you shoot an episode or two and they have to get it into the networks from there, correct? No, so TV works a little differently where you pitch the concept and, it, and currently there's so many different steps where it's casting, development, sizzle, pilot, series. So usually the showrunner is involved early on and the showrunner then carries it through, be it a, a special or, or a series. Got it. How, can me ask you a question? How okay. did you get in? Like, how, what is your background? Take us from what did you do before you realized you want to produce TV shows? Unless I say, Hey, in third grade, they asked you, what did you want to be rest of your life? And you knew since then, which is always like a fireman or TV producer. <laughs> right, exactly. I wanted to be a fireman. <laughs> I wanted to be a fireman. And I called my dad. I was playing volleyball at UC Santa Barbara. And I called my dad and said, hey, I'm going to stay up here for the summer. I'm going to be a fireman, live in Santa Barbara, live the fucking life. And my neighbor at the time was a guy, Bob Bain, who created Teen Choice Awards and a lot of, you know, show ran a lot of big variety specials. And he lit there out on their balconies. This is as, as waspy as I can sound. Um, <laughs> they're out on their balconies 
they could see the beach. And he was like, have Chris work for me for the summer. And so I was like, oh, my neighbor owns the company. This is going to be so easy and fun. And like, I just got so fucking tooled. More, like, like, I'd rather be fighting fires. Oh my God. Yeah. I'd it's rather be fighting <laughs> Mike Tyson. You know, it's, it all looks sexy outside, but it was 20 hour days at sometimes it was, you know, I'd have to go get my neighbor's car washed. I'm like, wait a minute, we just went surfing and now I have to go get your car washed. But like, I loved it. Like it's this weird addicting adrenaline that's, that comes with, especially live TV. So I did that while I was in college. And like I said, before fireman, I wanted to be a lawyer or politician and I got super, I got a lucky break. And the mentor that I kind of made that took me under her wing during my summers in college, she called me up and this was 10 months after I graduated and was like, Hey, they're going to do a new show. And this is like realities kind of happening more like game shows and talk shows. Then they're doing a new show. They're looking for the next Britney Spears. I think they're going to call it American Idol search for a superstar. Do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, I like music. I like Britney Spears, you know, and it became the behemoth known as American Idol. And I was there from day one and it was an epic trip, such an experience. That you never looked back since then. Yeah. I, you know, it's so. But you do spend your free times being a fireman, right? Weekends, evenings. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. (laughs) Naturally. This is what I thought. (laughs) American's hottest fireman. That's the show. Oh, there you go. Good idea. Wait a second. I think that works. We got something, ladies. Hey, this this is the place of dreams. (laughs) So let's talk about live production, because I think live production is so you know what's going to happen. I mean, you really rehearse these things. So like when something like, and I hate to talk about the Oscars, but when something like the Oscars happen, you're like, as a producer, you kind of step back and they're like, wait a minute, how did it get there? But ironically, because that happened, everybody was talking about the, the Oscars. So there's this flip side of reality TV where people almost like the train wrecks that happen. But talk about your process of crafting and your process of putting shows together to prevent those things. And then how do you handle a situation? Like, how would you have handled the Oscar situation? Yeah, Oscars is a reality on a... We find that if it's reality, like Kardashians or whatever, you could edit. I mean, how do you handle those bad situations? Good editor. But Oscars was live, not real. So, I mean, there's a huge difference of, hey, you just edit anything reality show. Oscars is live, live. Like, we're not talking pre-recorded live. We're talking no edit, no filter. Marjorie was trying to be politically correct and didn't want to say it. I'll say it. It was a big issue. Was Chris Rock and Will Smith in on it or people take people a minute to sort it out. And if yeah. you're a producer, don't you rely on your host, your actors to hopefully they're better than you are at this and they can just roll with it. Well, I thought he handled it really well. I did. So well, I was just, did you, think it was, wait, did you think it was staged when you guys both watched it or no? I did. I, I thought it was staged until he swore. Because every actor knows you're going to get cut if you swear. So actors don't swear, not because they're not supposed to, because they don't want to get cut. Well, they get beeped. They get beeped out. Yeah. Yeah. But I for sure did. Look, I mean, for live TV, there's a small group that does it, right? I was just in Dubai. Floyd Mayweather is going to do an exhibition fight on the the Burj Al Arab hotel, that one that looks Mm -hmm. like a sailboat. The huge one. The huge one. It's the most famous, arguably the nicest hotel in the world. He was going to fight on the helipad, live, live, stream to the world, had everything going. We're, it was Friday night. We're rehearsing for Saturday and everything's planned for it. You, you can only think of so many things like the, the Will Smith thing. The president of the UAE dies. And in a Muslim country, there's 40 days of mourning. Was this recently? Mm-hmm. This was two weeks ago, three weeks yeah. ago. And yeah. so of the 40 days of mourning, the first three, there's no entertainment allowed. So we got postponed. Now it's in October. Like you can only plan for so much. And all the people out there that do the live TV, like generally it's such second nature because they do so much. You know, I think going back to Chris Rock, like Marjorie said, I think he handled it really well. And because he handled it so well, that's why I thought it was fake. But clearly, uh, well, he was a little stunned. He got slapped, but like, I loved how he handled it. I thought I did not think it was fake at all. When I was watching it, the reason why I did not think it was fake is because 
It's the Oscars. There's so many sensitivities to inclusion. Races are so much there. They're not going to allow Will Smith to um, sit there because he was kind of laughing. Then I think Jada was like, what are you doing laughing? Then he just right. lost it and he walked up. And then when you, he had a angry look on his face and because of all the controversy with the Oscars over the years, I feel like that's, that wouldn't be anything you would stage because then it teeters on the abuse side of fighting. So I yeah. did not think for a second it was staged. I was like, holy shit. Couldn't they go cut to a commercial? But I don't know how they scramble on the production side. If they can just cut to commercial or if you guys have to just kind of ride it out until the commercial. That's yeah, usually the latter. Yeah. Usually the latter unless the network calls in and says we're cutting right now. But they didn't. I think, I think they were surprised. Yeah, I think everyone was just shocked. Huh. You know, was it fight, flight, or freeze? I think everybody's just like, uh, what is happening here? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it sucked. It was sad. It was really weird. I didn't even know Jada Pinkett Smith had alopecia. Neither did I. That's and why I just thought like it was. Okay, but here's the thing. Here's why I think everybody missed. And I mean, there's a lot of sensitivities. And just because. I don't think it's a big deal. Doesn't mean you wouldn't or Margie would. Everybody's perceptions, their own reality. And she was dealing with it. But if you were to be told at what, at what she's like, what, 55 now? 50? Oh, to be fantastic. told at 50 that you look like Demi Moore in G.I. Jane. He was smoking hot, smoking hot body with or without hair. That was the ultimate compliment for a female to get that you are that smoking hot at that age with your head shape because Demi Moore, let's be honest, she slayed that role because she looked amazing with her head shape. Jada, I think is absolutely beautiful with her head. Honestly, I just thought she did that on purpose for a movie role. I would have been up there with Chris Keen slapped around because I thought she looked beautiful, her dress, her hair. She carried it off like a badass, And it was the ultimate compliment. I think Chris tried to backpedal it when he realized it wasn't taken. But that's how I took it, just from a viewer. Like, just get up and say thank well, you. Well, I almost thought they were doing a G.I. Jane 2 with her. I thought this was a subtle promotion for a movie. And maybe I'm so jaded from the entertainment industry. I was like, wow, she would be a great G.I. Jane 2. So I took it as yeah. a, oh, maybe maybe that is her next role. And she, maybe this Honestly, is a she's such a promotion. badass. She probably would have killed it in that role. Will Smith would have stood up to Dane. Thank you for the comp. I'm married to the most gorgeous, you know, Demi Moore. You cannot get any better on a comparison. Right. So I couldn't figure out where he snapped on it. But you never know what somebody else is going through personally five minutes, five days prior to that. And I, my heart did break for not just him and Jada, but for Perfect Storm, Bad Tommy. But I think... Chris Rock's intent was so heartfelt as the biggest compliment to Jada Smith of her age and how hot she is and how amazing she is. I, oh, I just felt like, oh, I just feel like. But I think it's the backstory. And again, Chris yeah. Rock and Will Smith had had a backstory. Oh, see, I didn't you know, know that. And that's. Wait, you know, I didn't know that. Story tension before. So that's okay, kind of so what. Inquiring minds, inquiring minds want to know since Chris and I are on the same page. Yeah. We, <laughs> wait, tell us, we didn't know this. Give us, give us a scoop. Give us a scoop. This is a podcast. Marjorie, give us a scoop. It is entertainment. <laughs> you know, it, it's like everything I kind of read is that they just both being, you know, actors and comedians, that there had just been conflicts throughout the years. Like, you know, kind of, you know, I don't want to say like one way or another, but there had been competitive stuff word, like competitiveness and kind of sense. not niceness. Between the two for, for many years. So that kind of, I think, seems, added fuel to the fire. They both seem so nice wow. and genuine and funny. I never thought there was any controversy between them. And even if there right. was, I wouldn't have taken it as a slam. I'd be, I'd be like, yeah, dang. And, like, you know, he's with her. She's with me. If yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, but, I, wow. I didn't it it could be a breaking point for so many reasons. You don't know what broke. The dam, but you know, if 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 as a woman and you're dealing with hair loss, that, yeah. that's big for a woman. That's like very personal. That's and, very like. But she looked amazingly hot. If, she you, was could, if you couldn't oh. pull off shaving your head, then okay, okay. She was, and she was right in front row at Oscars. She knew she was out in the. At the same time, she knew she was in the public eye by going to the Oscars in the front row, where you're always being picked on. So let's be honest. I get what you're saying, and I agree being a female, but you don't go to the Oscars in that kind of glamorous 
show-stopping, jaw-dropping dress, when you look smoking hot in the front row, when your husband is good, is up for an Oscar, you know you're going to get hit. I mean, okay, oh my God, I feel like this is not TMZ right now. Hold on, let's, okay. <laughs> I like where we're going. I'm here for it. <laughs> but I feel like, but I also feel like Chris, you know, um, Will Smith did go through some mental issues and battling during COVID, like everybody. And oh, really? He, he put, yeah, he had some, he was just, everybody was struggling during COVID, let themselves go, whatever. Yeah. But he also poured himself as a method actor, he poured himself into the King movie, Richard? Uh, the King's King Richard, King Richard, which yeah. was not an abusive role model for the twins, but he was for the tennis stars, but he was, it was a tough role for him to get into. So he, you know, he had to mentally get into that role. He had his own demons and, you know, I just feel like winning this Oscar was such a great coming off of COVID doing such an amazing show. I don't know. It's very interesting, but I can't sit there and say, don't dress to the nines and that badass looking in the front row at the Oscars, knowing that you're a target. So I yeah. feel there's something. Between I mean, it wasn't the Golden Globes. Look, you go to the Golden Globe, Ricky Gervais's hosting, you know, everybody's fair game. This is a right. family friendly Oscars. I, I don't think you actually family friendly, friendly. You know, prepared in the same way. But you also know, (laughs) okay. Well, no. But you also know if you have funny comedians and you're in the front, the Oscars, Globes, you're you're going to take a hit when you're in the front, especially when you put a comedian in that hot seat. Now, you know, before when they didn't have who they have was it Jimmy Kimmel? Where that was Jimmy Kimmel was a host one year a while ago. I mean, he's funny. But he's yeah. not like that comedian style funny mm-hmm. on stage. You got to kind of question. I don't need to be in the front row if Chris Rock is up there. Yeah, no, I'm going to take a second, third row back because I don't want to be that target for a yeah. stand up comedian. But it was just sad. But I don't know. I It's sad. It brought light to. But the good thing, it did bring light to Alpecia for women. Confidence. Yeah. Own your own. Own your own look, your own leadership. Own it and be proud of who you are. It's not. I mean, I think a lot of good came out of it. Same. I just, you know, I, I know. I think they said they stripped Will from his membership. Of the yeah. resigned. But did so, they take his Oscar away? I thought they said he can't come back to another Oscars for ten years. I think, I, think he, I thought he had resigned, and then like you know, ten years he can come back. Wait, yeah, so wait. Same. So if you resign or you get fired, I don't know how this works. They could say. Marjorie, you pissed us off. You can't come to an Oscars for 10 years, even though you may be up for one. You can't show up for one. Is that what that rule is on the Academy? Basically, yeah, it's a ban. I mean, but you have to also think of like security issues, things like that, where, you know, whenever you do have celebrities or live and Chris, you could talk about this far more. I mean, there's always security. I mean, I'm kind of almost surprised security didn't kind of come quicker. Right. But why would they be? It's not like, you know, it's not going to have CIA and little men in black right around me. It's the Oscars. But yeah. There you are. have actors. You have security everywhere on a live yeah. event. Everywhere. everywhere. Never, you don't see they're sitting next to Will Smith and you don't know who mm-hmm. they are between him and Denzel or whoever was next to him. Yeah. I think everyone just froze. This is mm-hmm. so fascinating to me. You guys are giving me the good juice. <laughs> Well, it's just because it just happened of COVID and we're not quite sure what. I just think it's just, I think people relied so much on films and television. Streaming yeah. market blew up during COVID. And, but, but we got nothing but reruns for a while when things were really shut down. And so you're, you're already in a mental state of whatever state this is called. And then you're watching the same stuff. There was nothing really light and funny for a long we had i see honestly no matter who you are good bad or indifferent at the end of the day there was not one human being on this planet we all somebody had you went through a two years of darkness on some level because you had no outlet you had nowhere to go i just feel like tv is what we relied on and all the streaming so and everything and i know they kind of took it back see that was most excited post COVID, honestly I, mean, I haven't been to the movie movies. I do want to see Top Gun. On it's the so movie. good. Oh, you saw it? It's so good. You can't tell oh, us I haven't, I haven't seen, seen it. it. I hear it's just amazing. It's wait, Tom wait. Cruise is the last movie actor. I thought that was the best yes, article wait. where Tom, they said Tom Cruise is the last true movie actor. Because And I thought it was such an interesting thing because he's a movie star. I should say movie actor, movie star. Right. Like when you think of him and he's so like, I can, he's like shaking people's hands and taking photos and 
you can't think of anybody right now that's got that persona that Tom Cruise George has. Clooney. I'm sorry. I do like them both, though. Uh, yeah, but I, th- I think like on a global level, Tom yeah. Cruise. Is- oh, he's amazing. And I'm waiting yeah. for MI3, his new MI or M- yeah, his new one to come out. MI8? MI8, 3, 8, 10. Wait, wait, would you see it again, Chris? I would. I would absolutely oh. see it again. Oh. I love the first screen? one. Did you go big screen? I did. Yeah, you have to. Um, you have to. You have to. Okay. How is I, Val Kilmer? I love him. I think. Oh, did you see I, his doc? Oh my God. Was that heartbreaking? Heartbreaking. heartbreaking. So he. Wait, you guys like, both saw it? The Val Kilmer? The we Val were talking Kilmer. about Val. I haven't seen a Top Gun yet, but Val Kilmer's documentary about his throat cancer and losing his voice and how it impacted his career. Well, but look at Bruce, Bruce Willis is dealing with something similar now. Yeah, he's dealing with a memory type loss where it's hard for him to remember scripts. But Val Kilmer turned into TMZ. What is going on? The thing is, okay, so we're TMZ with Chris Wagner. So, Chris, I think I feel a movie date coming on with the three of us on a daytime, prime time. We go to a matinee date, eat popcorn, and we watch the whole thing. I'm so in. It was on our phone podcast. Like the perfect, like, bit of nostalgia action love just everything drama it was so good okay can we get popcorn and red vines on me oh okay. okay if you get the popcorn and red vines we'll pick up the tickets in done i have a deal on that one by the way I- <laughs> <laughs> but i think like it is lovely to have now. theater back and yeah. you know one of the things i think mark cuban was doing this uh, like 5 years ago they talked about having tv events like holding live tv events in theater like situations Smart. to get that fan like so the american idols and things like that i know they had been doing that and then covid kind of put oh, a break they? at that but really chris what idea. would you love to see in that type of environment if you had any show or that you'd like to see it in a theater screen surrounded by people yeah. You know what comes to me first, and it's not my show that I work on, but like those celebrity boxing things, I it's like a it's like a train wreck. Like mm-hmm. I I check them all out on Instagram, like the Jake Paul versus. Like oh, it yeah. just seems like such an absolute shit show that I would want to see that. Yeah. I didn't know they were doing that. That's such a good idea. Yeah, they were doing that like a five like five or six years ago. They were he was really big on that. I know you know Mark Cuban, Sarah, but I yeah. remember he was doing he, things like that, using the stadiums for other things. Yeah. It was kind of like repurposing on off seasons. Very he, brilliant. He is always an equivocally on or off the court, one of my favorite people. Like just the innovation, how he yeah. works. I love him. He talked about authentic everyday people. I was meeting him in between shooting that Shark Tank way pre-COVID at the SLS. And everything. And I, you know, I was running late, but I'm like, whatever. Mark's always late. So I didn't really care at the moment. He had a shoot. And when I walked into the SLS, there is at the bazaar, there is Mark with seven, eight women around him. Obviously, it's Mark Cuban. And there, you know, it's Mark Cuban. So he has seven, a bevy of women, like a wall of females, sparkle, long hair, bad perfume. I mean, just like, and I walked in and the best moment was like when he, I teach him, was like, Mark, he looked at me and he's like, nodded. Within three seconds, part of the sea of women walked away to come see me, to give me a hug, to grab a drink. And, you know, you see most guys, oh, yeah, yeah, you come to me or you have to sit there and wait or they just, you know, they're talking. Right. And, oh, this is my friend. He excused himself respectfully because I walked in and I was who I was meeting with. But came okay, my second funniest moment when I could say with him, we're at CES is when he funded a cube, one of the companies. And I had a IPTV client. They're not clients anymore. They decided to spend half a million dollars as a startup in month three at CES. Go big, go home. Go big and go home, not or go home as a startup. And so I was there, you know, I saw Mark and one of the guys came in. Hey, you know, your guys, your boys here. I'm like, what a great guy. Hey, Mark, I knew he was speaking through. So we were chatting and he's like, Sarah, walk and talk, walk and talk. If I stop, I get swarmed. I can't be swarmed. At the time, former client ran after me and Mark yelling and screaming at me like, oh, Jesus Christ, I, I got to take care of this. And we stopped and he stopped with me and he stopped and he's like a little kid in a candy store staring at himself like, you know, oh, you're like this. Oh, you know, you're Mark Cuban, godlike. And he starts pitching him and rambling and pitching like a hard New York pitch, like not really respectful to Mark. And Mark right. said to him, he put him in his place so hard publicly 
Then that was disrespectful. He goes, come on, let's go. And we just kept walking up. No way. We didn't have him as a client a week after that, but I didn't care. But like, I just, there's so much I love. And I just love the innovation about him. And, you know, when he created Access TV, yeah, I had AG sure. as a client. Remember the AG and yeah. Access deal? Yep. So stupid because I remember I was with him once giving him shit. I mean, I own Access Entertainment. We're the PR firm, AXIS. But Mark had more money than me on the basketball team. So I had <laughs> no, I lost every stupid budget drink. And like, yeah, he's like, he looked at me. I'm like, I knew I lost that one. But he just, he he knows content. And what I love about him, he's not one of these bougie guys who, hey, I just posted my NFT and made $80 million off a cat. He's a self-made man because his history, how he came up with HDNet, he is a self-made billionaire. He's smart. He's intuitive. He hustles. Like I always say teamwork makes the dream work. I yeah. think I took that from him years ago. He took my name Axis. So yeah. I could hear it, but he's clear. such a good guy. But like, I love the studio cause of what he did, Marjorie. I think it was something where it was going to be ongoing, but God, COVID hit. I thought that was your COVID hit. I just think so much of what we, the light of everybody's innovation and spark got dimmed right as COVID was coming down. So yeah. I'm excited to see what's next, but he did come out with the drug company. He feels did? everybody, well, not drugs. No, no, look at your right. eyes light up. I think everybody should have access to the prescription. Pharmaceutical. Pharmaceutical. I've got such a great Mark Cuban story because he's got a house down here in Manhattan. Yeah. And he'll go to Shellback, which is like our little dive bar down here. And Fanta shots are like their famous shot. I use the word famous very loosely. And buys the whole bar drinks. Yeah. And it's just like, you know. I, put it, cool. I like I, cool people like yeah. that. When it it's comes cool. to authenticity and just being a good human being, yeah. I put him up there next to a Randy Gerber, George Clooney. I, some of these guys we've mentioned, they're just really good people out there. I mean, and I, you know, I hate when people say, and I get kind of defensive when I do startup, the startup grind. Oh, well, we pitched him. He's such a jerk. He's this, he's this. No, you're the jerk. He's busy. You don't know your company, but I have never had anything less than such adoration and respect from him. And he doesn't believe in PR half the time he says it. Really? Have a PR firm. Yeah, not for some, he's on the fence. But the thing is, though, it just, you've got to really, really know what you're talking to somebody if you come in yeah. like you guys know this if you're pitching you're pitching your tv show your film and you're dealing with showrunners and all these bougie agency guys you're just going to kind of pitch and bullshit 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 you're not really coming at somebody genuinely authentic we're like hey you know what whether i like your film project or not I still would go grab drinks with you because you were just a right. really downright good person. Yeah. It's all about how you approach people. And to me, I rather, and I've had people who are not my clients anymore. Company got sold, lost, shut down, but right. some of them are my best friends. They're good people. Doesn't That's matter. Right. It's laws of attraction. It just doesn't matter what happens on the deal. If it's a good person, they're still going to be a good person. And I'm actually really good friends with a lot of these guys that don't do their PR anymore, or we didn't get their business at the time, but we just became really good friends. They're good, good. It's your Blake Shelton. It's like good people to the yeah, core. That's what maybe flip this back to you, Chris. Like, what are some advice that you would give about you know finding that right mentor or pitching that TV? What what mistakes have you seen, and where have you been able to kind of learn from your mistakes? And just some good pieces of what's your golden nugget advice? I always refer back to this. I don't even know if it's a book or if I made up the book in my head. Like everything I learned, I learned in first grade. It's like, be nice, be honest, work hard and have fun. Like that's why I got in this business. Just eat to have cookies. fun and do cool shit. What? Yeah. And eat cookies. Eat cookies. And eat <laughs> service. Yeah. <laughs> Kinda. Yeah. I don't think there is any other... I don't think there's a secret besides that of just hard work, kindness, honesty. Well, it's because you know? you're happy. If you're happy when you're doing what you love and you're creating things, you're not doing it for money. Well, maybe, yeah, who knows everybody is, but you're doing it because you love doing it. Yeah. People say they love creating TV and film shows because they love the laughs, not the paychecks. Some people, as Margie will attest to, love horror genre because they love the fear and scare of people versus the money. People make certain genres because they love the effect 
Am I wrong? It's about the money. You could say it. No, no, <laughs> no. I mean, look, we all have to feed our kids and stuff, but take care of our families. But I honestly, like, I had no idea. I don't know if you guys did when I was 21, 22, like I want to have fun and do cool shit. You want to be a firefighter on TV and like certainly gone like every which way to land where I am now. But like, I've never been happier and like more centered than I am today. That's and it's awesome. just working with good people. Like, cause we all worked with assholes. Like I'm just trying to focus, like work with good people, do good stuff. And like everything else will kind of work out. Yeah. I have to I'm get that- my daughter soon. Yeah. Okay. You're <laughs> in. I'm that no doubt. It was a good place to end it. Oh my God. It was so good having you on the show. So good. So fun to meet you guys. We I need love a it. TMZ too. Firefighters yeah. TMZ. We should do that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, firefighters about TMZ. Yeah. <laughs> about TMZ about firefighters. Firefighter oh. gossip. I bet, I bet those firehouses get a lot of gossip. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> the men are just as bad, if not worse, than ladies in our gossip. We, well, we may be on to our next big project here, the three of us. You I can't never wait. know. But yeah, it was so good having you on, Chris. We know Fendi Mass Singer. I'm excited for Barmageddon is coming out. Where can people find you for your future shows and what's going on with you project-wise? Fenty, Barmageddon, do this show called Unicorn Hunters, doing a lot of stuff with Viacom. Hopefully Miss Universe comes back. Boy band special we did last year for ABC, which was, I'm a big fan of boy bands. I don't know about you guys, but fucking oh, yeah. love them. So hopefully that comes back. I Super fortunate. I've got a lot going on and like grateful every day. Where can they find you? Like on, on Instagram? Instagram, or- email, Firehouse. I see what you're doing. Okay. That's a great <laughs> fucking question. He's like, don't, I'll find you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Hollywood way. What was the name of that bar? <laughs> yeah, let's go talk at Shellback and we'll figure out where to find me. Instagram is at white label TV and online WLP-TV.com. How's that plug? That's Boom. perfect. Boom, and it goes with the baseball hat. It was... <laughs> It was so good. We have to record these. We have it. And we, you know, we we did miss out on the finding the perfect unicorn, but we'll save that for TMZ MMP part two. When you come back on. Love it. I'm so in. You know that. We'll go start looking for our unicorns then. It was so good having you on. You and Marjorie is such a good podcast. See everybody soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Media Mavens podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or want to download past episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, please visit MediaMavensPodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.